moved here as a young boy, and I've got roots here from my, from my mother's side. My grandfather pastored uh, in a city called Willows. He pastored in Stockton. He pastored in Fremont. He pastored in Avenel. He was a GARB. Back then, they would move around quite a bit. It's good to see Pastor Campbell. And, uh, and so, anyhow, but I, l- I love the state of California, and God has done some special things in my heart uh, for our state and uh, for our nation, of course, as well. But uh, it's always a joy to be here, and uh, when I received the invitation to come, hands down, I wanted to come because I wanted to, uh, to see old friends, and some of you have gotten older, amen, and, uh, and I wanted to uh, hear some great preaching, and I love the spirit of this meeting, and, uh, and so we're in for a tremendous treat. I was on my way up today, this, uh, this afternoon praying over the message and thinking over the message, and something wasn't quite right. It was like the right message, but I couldn't figure out something wasn't setting well, and I, I talked to uh, two people on the road trip up, my mother and my father, just kind of reconnecting with them, and and, uh, and my dad made a comment about something, and it reminded me of something else, and then it triggered a, a message that I was planning to preach tomorrow, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, that's what I want you to preach tonight, and so I got checked into my room, and I, I was trying to get my thoughts together, and I thought, Lord, I've been pondering the other sermon and thinking about that, and he said, this is what I want for tonight, and so I punched in the address here, and I didn't look at the name of the church, and it took me to a church as far to the other side of the city as it possibly could, and so uh, anyhow, it is a joy to be here tonight, but I know I have the message I believe God has for us. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Jeremiah chapter 9, and uh, while you're turning there, I heard the story of, you probably heard this, I'm sure. And uh, the preacher, and he got up to preach on a Sunday morning, and uh, he was thinking about uh, his message, just like I was talking about pondering the sermon this morning, but he got up Sunday morning thinking about his message, and while he was shaven, he cut himself. And so, uh, anyhow, he cut it so deep, it just kept bleeding. It was one of those that just never ended, you know. So, so finally, uh, he put a Band-Aid on his, uh, we not turned on? Unmute it. Is that what we need to do here? So he puts a Band-Aid on his face, and uh, he ends up having to go to the pulpit that way. So he gets up to the congregation Sunday morning, and he apologizes and says, I am so sorry about this Band-Aid on my face. He said, I was thinking about the sermon, and I cut myself this morning really bad. And so he said, I hope it's not a distraction for you. So he goes on, and he preaches. I mean, he preaches, and he preaches, and he preaches. And I mean, it was like, let my people go, you know. He, he, uh, he just went on, waxed eloquent, and finally... Finally, he closed it down, and then uh, he had the invitation and, and went to the back door to shake hands, and one of the deacons at the back of the, at the church shook his hand and said, Preacher, he says, next time, think about your face and cut your sermon. And so, uh, anyhow, I'm not sure that I need to do that, but uh, I'll do what the Lord, I believe, wants us to. Let's stand together, uh, Jeremiah chapter 9, and if anything, we'll stand for the... Per- few purposes to honor the Lord. I don't think we have to do that every time, but, but we will uh, for, for this first service at least. And then I'll also let you stretch your legs a little bit if you've been sitting for a while. But uh, let's look at two verses here in Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah is giving his message at the temple gate, and it starts in chapter 7. It goes through chapter 10. And uh, he ministered as a preacher uh, during some very difficult and challenging days. And uh, yet God, in his grace, uh, at times and seasons would bring, uh, would, would do a work, I think of uh, King Josiah, and there's much that could be said about that. And, and I, 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 but there's two verses in the middle of this message that Jeremiah gives in this judgment that's coming, and, 
and uh, his bewailing the sins of his nation that really grabbed my attention because as I look at our nation, my heart aches and breaks. And as I look at the the state of California, my heart aches and, and breaks. But I want you to notice verse 23 and 24 with me, if you would. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. And I'm so grateful to Brother Schmidt and how God has led him to start this two-minute men's warning. It's been a decade. This is a 10-year anniversary, so congratulations for all that God has accomplished through this ministry. Um, But I really believe that it's been birthed out of a heart for the men uh, in this region. And I know we have some that come from uh, even across state lines at times we've had at this meeting. But really, the heart's desire is that men would understand and know the Lord. And, and that's the purpose of this meeting. And uh, if we leave here not understanding God in a greater way, if we leave this meeting not knowing God in a, in a deeper way, then we've missed what God desires for us this year at this two-minute warning. And I believe with all of my heart, we've come with hungry hearts saying, God, we need you. And Lord, we want you to do something powerful. And that's my heart's desire tonight as well. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I need you. Lord, I am nothing without you. Just as you breathed in Adam the breath of life, God, I'm asking for your anointing touch upon this time together. Lord, uh, purify my heart, my motives. God, I pray that you would fill me. I pray that you would empty me of self or any sin that would hinder the fullness of your spirit from moving mightily tonight, this, this evening, this afternoon. And God, I pray that you would do a great work in every single heart here, May we know you in a greater way because of what we've heard from your word tonight is my desire, for we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I love old trucks. I I grew up uh, loving old vehicles. I had an uncle, and he loves old things, and he loves antiques, and he would tell me about Chevys. He was a Chevy guy, and he would tell me about the 55, 56, and 57 Chevy pickups. Can I get a witness? Anybody out there like the 55, 6, 7 pickups. The 57 has the bullets on the hood. You know what I'm talking about? And if you got the right grill, uh, you, you even have the open grill at the front. And then uh, the 55 and 56, they don't have the bullets, just rounded on the top. You know, how many you know what I'm talking about? And somebody can help me after the service. Don't shout it out right now, but help me with this. But the 55 has the, has the emblem either on the top of the, of, of the body line or at the bottom, and the 56 is vice versa, but that's the only difference between a 55 and 56. So I know that that's the difference between 55 and 56, but I can't remember which one's 55 and which one's 56. Who knows what I'm talking about right now? I got one, two witnesses. So that proves to you that I love old trucks, all right? And if you, either of you men know which one's which, tell me after the service, I'll, I'll try to remember, all right? I can tell you about... Fords. So forgive me if you're a Chevy man. I got you on board, and I'm trying to get the rest of you men in tune here a little bit as well. I love old trucks. It doesn't matter if it's a Chevy or a Ford, although I'm more of a Chevy man. 
I, I love the old, the old 56 Ford pickup. Have you know what I'm talking about? That's a classic. There's, it's only, it's one of a kind. And uh, there's a man in the church where I have the privilege to serve now, and he's got a 54. The 54 and 55 are just about identical. The 56 has the wraparound window, but the body style is the same, and it is an amazing truck. I love that truck. And uh, he, he uh, allowed me to, excuse me, go on a date with my wife and, and put me on the insurance, and got, we got all that figured out, and gave me all the instructions on how to drive that old beast without the power steering, you know, and all of that, and I loved it, and License plate says Bill's 54, you know, and I took my wife on a date, took a bunch of pictures, and, and it was so great. My wife slid over next to me with those seats, you know, and uh, had a good time, pulled up to the, I pulled up to the red light. Man, talk about glory, man. I pulled up to the, pulled up, Brother Schmidt, I pulled up to the stoplights, like, look at my truck, man. <laughs> I'm so cool, you know, and I took her to a nice restaurant, and I had this one guy, man, he was honking and waving at me. I rolled down my window, he's like, nice truck, Bill. And my wife's looking at me, he's like, How do, why is he calling you Bill? I'm like, well, the license plate says Bill's 54. So anyhow, but I, there's some things in life that I could really glory in. I love cars. My wife uh, and kids came together several years ago, and they paid about $100, $120 for me to drive a Ferrari. I'd never driven a Ferrari, and they knew that I'd love to drive a Ferrari. And there was a place down in Stockton you could do that. Maybe it's still there. And I actually got a Groupon or whatever and saved a few bucks on it. And uh, we got there, and for $25 more, I could drive the Ferrari and the Lamborghini, and I loved every minute of it. Got to go around the lap twice in those vehicles and enjoyed that and, and all of that. I love hunting and fishing. Can I get a witness right there? Somebody give me a witness right there. And uh, whether I'm bird hunting, I'm pheasant hunting, or I'm duck hunting, or I'm goose hunting, man, I love to hunt. I love to deer hunt. I love to hunt with my rifle and all of that, and I praise God for that. I love our country. Can I get a witness right there? And uh, I love our flag, old glory. But I would submit to you tonight that, or this afternoon I should say, that as we come to this chapter, judgment is coming upon a nation. And Jeremiah is saying, listen, I want you to understand who God is. And I want you to know who God is. And what you need to understand and know about God is that God wants you to understand and know him. And when you do, you need to glory in him. And I believe far too long, our nation has gloried in some things above glorying in the knowledge and understanding of who God is. And I believe with all of my heart that that's a reflection upon the men of our nation because you and I have been guilty of glorying in some things. And I'm not saying it's wrong to have things that we enjoy and have things that we even love or or like, but what I am saying is God says, listen, there are some things that you need to learn about me that you need to glory in. Just like a child would listen to his father to understand him. May you and I come to this two-minute warning in this first message of, of this meeting and say, Lord, during this meeting, I want to hear the very heartbeat of God. And I want to have the very understanding of the mind of God. And may we understand as we read our text this, this afternoon that Today we praise what God abhors and we adore what God abhors as our nation, as we think of our nation in general. This passage shows us that God wants men to know him and care about what he cares about. We can know that we're growing closer to God when we care about what God cares about and when we 
uh, understand who God is. And Jeremiah dealt with the people who were depending upon their own wisdom. They were depending upon their own strength. They were depending upon their own wealth rather than relying upon their understanding and relying upon the Lord. To glory means to boast or to praise oneself. And God is saying, don't boast or praise yourself in your wisdom. Don't boast and praise yourself about your strength. Don't boast or praise yourself and place confidence in your wealth. Don't become self-reliant. These three areas are areas that people today are overly consumed with and excessively focused on. But no amount of education, power, or wealth can guarantee the blessings of God and the world is dependent upon these things and boasts of them. And while there's nothing sinful of these areas in and of themselves, it's not sinful to be educated, it's not sinful to be strong, it's not sinful to be wealthy, but we should never boast or glory or depend upon these things. Our dependency must always be in the Lord. And we must understand what it is, in fact, that God delights in. So we can... Uh, so we, it can be a greater reflection of who God wants us to be and reflect who God wants us to reflect. This past summer, I was traveling with a college tour group, my wife and I and two of our youngest children, and we got to Alabama. Man, it was humid and it was hot. And it was one of the hot days of the year. We had a day where we didn't have a location to get to, and we were there by the Coosa River, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's the Coosa River. Anybody about the Coosa River in Alabama? Is there anybody here that knows that area at all? Nobody? And so uh, I said to my wife, I said, let's take uh, the folks, let's go kayaking, you know, and, and so we'll pay for this. And so we found a place and, and uh, we got it all set up and we got the van out there. We got the kids out there, the tour group there and, and, and whatnot. And so we paid the fee and then they give you a little run through before they put you in a van and take you up river, drop you off to come back down. They're right located on the river, the Coosa River there. And when he got done talking about Everything people lose on the river. They lose their wallet. They lose their sunglasses. They lose their cell phones. My wife hands me her cell phone. She says, put my cell phone, please, back. Would you please put it back in the van? I'm like, okay, no problem. And I'm thinking, your phone is, is waterproof, you know? They're waterproof now, you know? But I didn't argue. I just did as uh, supposed to do. Yes, ma'am. And so I headed back to the van, and this thought popped in my head. Maybe I should leave my phone there, too, and then it immediately pushed it right out. No, I don't need to leave my phone in the van because I am a man. Exactly. Thank you for that. And, uh, and I thought, I don't, I don't need to do that. I'm a man. And then I thought, you know, and I know about boats. I had a boat for many years. I know about water. I know how to swim. And besides that, I'm smart enough, maybe not to get directions, but I'm smart enough to, uh, to leave the life jacket on if you're in a river. Because if you're in moving water, there are all kinds of dangerous things that could happen. I won't go into all of that. So anyhow, so... We're, we're headed down the river and all that. I, I shoved my cell phone. I, had, I tightened up my life jacket really tight, and I shoved my cell phone. I was in the kayak for, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes, and I finally got so hot, I thought, I'm getting out of this thing. I'm going to get in the river and just kind of swim behind the kayak, and, and oh, it was so refreshing. But I, sure enough, got in that water, and I had forgotten to take my phone out. And the next thing I know, I could feel it. I could, was kicking it with my, with my legs, my knees, and then my feet, when it hit my legs, I thought, what is that? And when I realized what it was, it was my phone, it hit my feet. And as soon as I realized that, I dove underwater, opened my eyes in that dirty water, 
and I'm, I couldn't find my phone. It happened that fast. And I'm wearing my, my waterproof Apple watch. And I mean, I dove down about three times trying to find it. And my wife said, what are you looking for? <laughs> I didn't want to tell her. And uh, it's your phone. I forgot to put it back in the van. No, no, no. <laughs> about that time, my watch thumped. Thump, 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 thump. And I looked, what's my watch? And it says, we've lost connection with your phone. <laughs> I thought, oh, that's a blessing, isn't it? But you know, I think far too long, if we're not careful, we get so focused on the things that God doesn't want us to get focused on. And, and I commend you for being here tonight because you want to know God. And uh, we want to know and learn about him. So let me say, first of all, God desires us to seek wisdom, but not to glory in wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all I get and get understanding. If any man lack wisdom, James says in 1, 5, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, it shall be given him. It's a wonderful thing to, to gain wisdom from the Lord and he that walketh with wise men shall be wise and we understand that. But let's never make the foolish decision to place our dependency and glory and understanding in our own wisdom. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Solomon chose wisdom above all, and God gave him riches, honor, and life. There's so much that could be said about that. And yet we see him write the book of Proverbs, a book that shows us what God's wisdom looks like. And yet, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes to show us that even the wisest men are still great fools in the sight of God. We often give accolades to people for their wisdom and their achievements and their learning and whatnot, and it's good. To, to, to recognize accomplishments, don't misunderstand me. But we've got to be careful not to glory in our own achievements, to glory in our own wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men. Job 32, 9, great men are not always wise. And yet Psalm 33, 11 says, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. You see, it's God's counsel that stands. You must understand that. So God desires for you and I to seek wisdom, but not to glory in wisdom. And then God desires us to be strong, but not to glory in our might, <laughs> Proverbs 20, 29, the glory of the young men is their strength. The beauty of the old man is the gray hair. I've got two boys that uh, are in their 20s, 20 and 22 now. And uh, my oldest just graduated from college in May and got married in July. He's in ministry now in Chico. And I'm so grateful, married a wonderful, godly lady. And they're doing well serving the Lord. And to God be the glory for that. Great things he hath done. We give him the glory for all of that. In fact, that was the song sung at their wedding, to God be the glory and how that blessed my heart. But they both worked security last year, and uh, both of them supervisors and, what, and whatnot. But, but uh, they decided, uh, at one point, my older son would work out, and boy, he got all muscly. And, and uh, my second child, we've got four children, but our second son, uh, you know, was a little smaller. 
And then my older son got into skydiving. He really loved it and got to where he could do cartwheels and buying his own gear and all of that. And I said to my second son, I said, well, he's off doing all this. He's getting skinnier. Why don't you start working out? So he did. He started pumping iron and he got to where he was, you know, pretty, pretty buff and all that, you know. And I remember them wrestling around and uh, my second son got to feeling his oats a little more. And you got to understand my older son is like 6'2". And then my second son is like 5'10". You know, so he's much shorter and smaller than his brother. But he started working out and he got bigger. And it got to where he was more muscular than his older brother. And so they started wrestling and his older brother still got him, but he gave him a run for his money. And then his older brother, he decided he was gonna sell all of his parachute stuff and start working out again because the glory of the young man is his strength, right? And uh, it's so fun. And I, I, you know, I see these guys come in and they're standing in the mirror looking at themselves. They're flexing their muscles and coming in at night. Mom and dad, look at this, you know. And, and as a father, you know, I want to say, now, don't get arrogant and don't get proud and, you know, all these things. But I am grateful that they're acting like men because the Bible says the glory of the young man is their strength, right? But uh, we also have to realize while God desires for us, and, and by the way, I, as I think of a nation, I believe that we should have military might. I believe the world is safer when we have military might. We have the right man in the White House, and we have uh, the, the right military might, the entire world is a lot safer, and there's a lot that could be said about that, but I don't think we should glory in our military might. But I was reminded of a man who gloried in his might named Goliath. First Samuel 17, I'll read it to you quickly, verse 42. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was a youth. He went on to say, am I a dog? <laughs> and, uh, he, he, and the Philistine said to David, come to me, and I will give thy flesh to the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. But listen to David's response in, in, in 1 Samuel 17, verses 45 to 47. I'm just gonna read a few parts of these verses. But he says in verse 46, this day the Lord will deliver thee into mine hand and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee and I will give the carcass to the host of the Philistines this day and the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that he understandeth and knoweth me, that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord, and he will give you into our hand. You see the difference between Goliath's attitude and his focus versus David's? There's a big difference there. Think about the angel said to Gideon in Judges 6.12, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. When you begin to trust in your wisdom and your strength, the Lord will remind you who really is in charge. And I love this verse. You may want to jot this reference down and memorize it, but 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 25 says, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Wow. The, the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And and and. Well, there's just so much that could be said. I just, uh, I think I'll move on. Thirdly, God desires us to be good stewards, but not to glory in our riches. So God desires, we said, God desires us to seek wisdom, but not glory to wisdom. And God desires us to be strong, but not to glory in our might. But God desires us to be good stewards, but not to glory in our riches. Proverbs 23, 5 says, What thou set thine eyes upon that which is not, for riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. 
Jesus said in Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, and he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And some people think that life is all about things. And I'm reminded of a man named Job, a man that had seven sons and three daughters. Job chapter 1 tells us he had 100 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses. He had 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels. 500 yoke of oxen, I've already said that. He was the greatest man of the East. And he lost all of it. And here's what he says in verse 20. And Job arose and ran his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped. Oh, how powerful that is. And said, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And when you get to chapter 13 and verse five, he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Powerful. God desires for us to be good stewards, but not to glory in our riches. And you know, I'm reminded of an Old Testament story that really illustrates all three of these areas. I'm reminded about the book of Esther. And, uh, and I, I, I'm reminded of the self-reliance and pride of a man named Haman. And his wisdom caused him to make a plan to get rid of Mordecai and all the Jews because he couldn't stand the fact that he wouldn't bow down and worship him. His might or his own power, which he had, gave him the ability to execute his plan and to pass legislation to kill the Jews. Think about that as we think about even Capital Connection, Pastor Rogers there. And then his riches were his own security. They were going to increase from the spoils and Esther chapter 5, verse 11, and Haman told them of the glory of his riches and of the multitude of his children and all the, the kings wherein the king had promoted him. There's his power. And how he had advanced him above all the princes and the servants of the king. And Haman said, moreover, yea, Esther the queen did let no man come in with the king into the banquet that she had prepared uh, but, but myself. He says, tomorrow I'm invited to go with her and the king as well. You know, I'm reminded of what Solomon said in Proverbs 29 and verse 26. Many seek the ruler's favor, but every man's judgment cometh from the Lord. Haman, your judgment's coming. We get to chapter 5 and verse 14. Then said Zeresh, his wife, to Haman and to his friends, let gallows be made, 50 cubits high, and tomorrow speak unto the king that Mordecai may be hanged thereon. Then go thou in merrily unto the king to the banquet. And the thing pleased Haman, and he caused the gallows to be made. Now, I have to pause here and say, when you read the book of Esther, if you don't stop and consider the fact that Haman made the gallows that night, you kind of scratch your head and say, Esther threw one banquet, invited him to come. The king said, Esther, tell me what you want. I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. And then she says, we'll come back to the banquet tomorrow. And I'm thinking to myself, why? Why are you waiting another day? Why would you push this off another day? God was behind the scenes doing something now in in preparation for for Haman to deal with Haman. And this is what goes on. Haman's boasting of his riches and his power and his wealth. And and, and, uh, his wife says, well, why don't you make a gallow and talk to the king and just hang Haman tomorrow? So that day, God was behind the scenes setting the stage. I don't know, as we look at the landscape of America and the state of California, it's depressing and discouraging, but can I tell you something? You never know that God isn't setting the stage. 
be very careful. We don't glory in our wisdom. We don't glory in our understanding or our wealth or our strength. Haman wouldn't be happy until Mordecai was hung on those gallows, but Haman ends up hanging on the same gallows he built. Proverbs 27 Proverbs 26, 27 says, Whoso diggeth the pit shall fall therein, and he that rolleth the stone, it will return upon him. So may you and I be very careful not to glory in our own wisdom. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Oh, we need to get wisdom. We need to beg God for wisdom. We need to walk with wise people. We need to gain the wisdom of God's word, but understand, I don't want to be wise in my own eyes. Oh, uh, there's nothing wrong with being physically in shape and we, our body's the temple of the Lord, right? And there's nothing wrong with having security and, and, and uh, strong borders and all of these things and strong military might. We need all of these things. But ultimately, our glory comes from God and understanding that. But then we come to our, the, the next verse, verse 24. But let him that glory, glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. And then God gives these statements that I am the Lord which exercise, here it is, loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things do I delight, saith the Lord. Now, uh, just like children on the playground who are fussing with each other, just like kids in your own home if you have more than, more than one, right? And they fuss with each other and you tell them, look, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. God says, I'm a God who is loving and kind. Aren't you thankful he's loving and kind? Praise the Lord for that. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna close these down quickly, but judgment. And I think sometimes we get so consumed with judging other people. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, verse three through five, but with me it is a very small thing that I be judged of you or of man's judgment, yea, I judge not my own self, for I know nothing by myself, yet I am not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. <laughs> you know, every man's gonna stand before God and be judged by God. And may I say that we are to seek to be just and to have good judgment. We can't be completely 100% fair. This world is so wrapped around this, this thought of equality, equality, and everything has to be exactly fair. And I told my children, I've got four kids, and if I took a candy bar and I said to two of them, I'm gonna break this in half and give one half to each of you, and if all four of them were there, and I'm gonna break another candy bar in half and give one half to each of you, if I only had two and broke it in half or cut it, whatever, you know, somebody's gonna get a smaller piece than the other. They're not all gonna be exactly the same. I, I, can't, I, I told my kids growing up, I still have, I, I, I've got, uh, oh my soul, uh, my oldest three are 18, 20, and 22, basically. And so I've got one that's 16. So if you look at it from a legal standpoint, you know, I still have three in the house. But the point being is this, I've told my kids, I can't be exactly fair, but I can be just. I can't spend the exact same amount on all three of the boys. And how do you spend the same amount on a girl as you do with the boys? And you think about baseball and you think about makeup and I mean, you know, all these various things, but you can be just in life and God desires for you and I to be just. There's so much that could be said about that. God delights in loving kindness. He delights in judgment and he is just and desires for you and I to be just, but he is righteous. And I don't have, I wanna finish this up, but the bottom line is there is none righteous, no, not one. The only way that you and I can be righteous is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm grateful that Jesus came to this sin-cursed earth. God robed in human flesh, lived a perfectly sinless life, died a substitutionary death on the cross. He rose again on that third day, amen. He's ascended to heaven and he makes intercession for you and me. Praise God for that. 
And uh, he desires for you and I to strive to live right in a world that's so wrong. <laughs> but praise God, he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I want to encourage you to come to Christ uh, tonight. So my desire for this meeting, to continue to know him. Do you know him? You know, uh, I, I started the message, and I'll close with this. I started the message saying, I love old trucks, and I love hunting, and I love fishing, and we could talk guns, and we could talk deer hunting, or we could talk bird hunting, or whatever, okay? And some of you are really into sports. I'm not so much. I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis when I was in high school. It didn't, it's not giving me much fit after that, but it uh, kept me from being as involved in sports, perhaps, as I want to be. But, but uh, And I understand all of that. But, but there are things in your life that you know things about. But the reality is, God says, I would much rather you spend some time learning about me. You know, learning about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Who were they and who were they writing to? And how are they magnifying who Christ is? You know, and, and just coming through the word of God and learning about him. And that's what we're here for in this meeting with heads bowed and eyes.